Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. And, and what I will say uh, as we jump in here is that we've got a lot of cool things to talk about. Uh, we had some really exciting news kind of throughout the last week that made me almost do another episode in the same week. But I said, no, I can't do it. I, I'll just we'll wait until next week, uh, let the kind of the energy build up, and then we will dive in. But I am joined uh, once again by a first-time guest, and that guest is the Jolly Roger. Jolly Roger, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, man. I'm super excited. Yeah, you and me started coordinating a couple weeks ago. Uh, just before I kind of turn it over to you for your intro, uh, it was just funny. We realized we had a lot of uh, kind of similarities in our history. We lived in similar places. We went to the same university, even though now we live across the country from each other. Yep. Uh, so kind of a small world. Um, but I will turn it over to you now as a first time guest, we want to make sure you have a chance to kind of introduce yourself to the listeners, a little bit about your background with gaming, Marvel snap content creation, and just kind of a little bit about who you are. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, so I, um, I've been doing content creation for Marvel snap since, uh, global launch. So I started playing, uh, day one, I went in the app store just to update my apps one morning and I saw the banner on the iOS store. It's like, Oh, this game, Marvel snap. And I, I was like, oh, I'll try this. I downloaded it. And I mean, the rest is history. So um, I I uh, was trying to think like, I kind of want to do some content creation for this game. I like podcasting. Um, I'd never done it before. And so I was talking to my best friend um, and I was like, I kind of want to do a podcast. And he's like, why would you want to talk about Marvel Snap? Like people want to watch it. And I was like, well, that's a fair point, <laughs> but I still think there's room for podcasts, um, which obviously uh, this one's done really well. So among others. Um, and so I, I just started trying TikTok and I started doing TikTok stuff. Um, I know there's some big creators like Binks and Dexter over there, um, but I kind of was just making TikTok exclusive Marvel Snap content um, and it kind of took off. And so I've just been really enjoying that and making just like quick bite-sized um Marvel Snap highlights and content, reviews, skits, all kinds of stuff. And it's it's been a blast. So um, my background in gaming, I played I played a lot of board games over my life. Um, I'm a very big hobby board gamer. Um, I mean, if you're watching this, you can see kind of I've I was, got I was a big old... say, yeah. <laughs> so I, I've been playing board games for, you know, probably close to two decades. Um, so I've always enjoyed gaming. I've played Hearthstone. Um, I've, I've gotten into, I haven't gotten into like magic or anything like that, but I've, I've played quite, quite my share of games and, and both video games and, and physical board games. And I've always just had a passion for gaming and competing in, in a good natured, fun way. And I think Snap has just got an awesome community, honestly. And I met some really cool people and it just kind of breeds this, this great culture. So that's kind of what's kept me uh, engaged and kept me, you know, kind of motivated to keep creating content and engaging with a uh, awesome people like yourself and and other people in the community whether they're making content or just just playing the game yeah uh so many rabbit holes i want to go down because i'm a big <laughs> I, I love board games too we could, we oh, could make go. this episode about board games so we're not going to do that but uh <laughs> but i will say a couple of things totally want to echo what you say great community we all love being part of the marvel snap community and i just want to call out what you kind of talking about tiktok right Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's people that kind of do content for Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, some crossover into multiple mediums. But I think TikTok is a very unique space kind of as the modern, the modern social media. And Marvel Snap really fits into it, I think, well, because oh, it's perfect. the games are already short. And so you can kind of take these high stakes, key moments from games and create content around it uh, that can be, you know, very quickly consumed and mm -hmm. com commented on, interacted with, etc. So 
yeah, I, I think that's great. So we're glad to have you on. Uh, excited to have you on. We have a lot of things to dive into. We don't have unlimited time, so we will dive in to our first topic, which is a new card this week. Um, I got a little like uh, just messed up with my schedule. I was thinking for some reason until a couple of days ago, I was thinking Nimrod was like the the new card that was going to Series Five this week, and so I oh. totally <laughs> I totally forgot about Snowguard because you know that happens at some point. I think that's actually later in the month or whatever, but. Yeah, it's at the um, end of the month. <laughs> and then this morning, I was like, wait, like, there's a new card today. And like a couple hours later, people are playing with it on Twitch, stuff like that. I'm like, oh, man, we need to make sure we are talking Snowguard. So uh, I will first kind of read the description here about Snowguard, and then I'm going to turn it over to you first. I want to hear your your general impressions, kind of. We're, okay. We're, we're less than 24 hours on from the card release, but want to turn it over to you for your general impressions, and we'll, we'll go from there. So Snowguard is a one-cost, two-power card with the text that reads, while in your hand, this transforms each turn into a hawk or a bear. Now you may be asking yourself, what is a hawk and what is a bear? So a snow guard hawk is a one cost, two power card that reads on reveal, ignore all location abilities next turn. And then a bear uh, is also a one cost, two power card that reads on reveal, trigger the effect of this location. Um, this has changed a little bit from the original data mine. Originally, mm -hmm. these were like three or four cost cards. And we all thought like, that sounds really bad. Um, so now they're one cost cards. You know, it's it just fluctuates between these two every turn in your hand. So I'm going to turn it over to you. General impressions, power level, and, and what you think about this card. Yeah. So actually, there was a wolf, too, in the data mine. There used to be three animals. Mm. Um, and yet, uh, yeah. they, were, they were all very different. Um, I think this card is... First of all, I think the big question everyone's going to ask is, should I buy this card? And the answer is probably not. <laughs> uh, for 6,000 yeah. tokens, at least. Um, it's not Kitty Pride. It's not, um, you know, one of the big bads. Um, and and I, I was kind of talking to a couple people that I know. And I watched Kawa's video. He did a great video on, on kind of some of the interactions with, with the locations, because I think that's kind of what our questions were, was how is this going to interact with locations? Specifically... Yep triggering another location, like how does that work? So um, for the most part, there's not a lot of locations that can actually trigger from what I've seen and the people I've talked to. So, I mean, it can trigger like Project Pegasus again, give you another five energy. Um, it can't trigger like Bifrost after turn four. Um, so the turn specific locations, um, it can't trigger those. So yeah. that's those are some things that I was kind of curious about. Um, the the hawk itself sort of leeches the locations for both players so it does affect both you and the opponent so it's not just a one-sided card um and so i mean if you're if you're leeching a bad location with it then it's gonna be open for your opponent too so in that understanding of the card i think that it's definitely a card to wait to drop to pool three you'll get it from a cash you'll try it a couple times and then it's probably going to be one you don't really play that often Location-based cards, Scarlet Witch, uh, Reality Stone, like Rhino, Storm, you know, these kinds of cards, Magic. I think this one is just too in too weird of a spot. And to try to play around the randomness, randomness of locations just really doesn't seem that useful in the context of this card um, in most decks, in my opinion. There's there's just better one-drop cards that you'll that you can I mean you can get Kitty Pride up to you know a 110 if you use her every turn. This yeah. is a one, two that you may not even need or want. So, yeah, I think this, it, it's, 
I don't want to use the word disappointing, right? So uh, my thoughts, right? Like I love diversity, flavor, mm-hmm. uh, different design space, right? So in that sense, this is like a 10 out of 10, right? It's a very unique yeah. card. It changes, it like morphs to these animal spirits while it's in your hand. It's really cool. Like the idea is really cool. So I love that. Um, but as far as like, can you, you know, when we look at cards, it's like, can you build a, a deck around this card? Or does this slot into a deck kind of style, archetype, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, that like makes it better? And I, I think it doesn't tick either of those boxes, right? You're not, building, you're, you're not building a snow guard deck, right? There's not mm-hmm. enough here to build a strategy around a win condition. And it doesn't really elevate any deck uh, like to a much higher level. Um, you know, I've seen people, oh, okay, it's a one cost. So you throw it in like a zoo Kazar deck, right? Or, you know, it's like you can get this out on the board and you can play it with Dazzler. These things that like already aren't that great. And so this doesn't this doesn't make those any better. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think this is the, the strongest card by any means. I think it's definitely on the lower end. But I do think you called out some. Oh, go ahead. You were going to say something there. Oh, no, I was going to say that my my main idea is this could be a good utility card in a, like a Galactus deck was my first mm. thought, just because if you can shut down certain locations that would make it Galactus unplayable um, for one energy, that's pretty useful. Yep. So I think that actually might be its best sort of tech spot because most other decks can sort of play around locations, but Galactus is trying to keep some spaces open. And if there's, you know, a Sanctum Sanctorium and you can sort of play it and then next turn Galactus there, um, I mean, certain things like that might be of value with it, but I, I just don't think it has a ton of use to your point in most decks for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. The play would be, you know, a turn four wave and snow guard, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Uh, so you kind of open up all locations for your Galactus on turn five. Uh, you know, you're able to play wave and snow guard with the four energy on turn four. I could see that. I mean, uh, you do have that shifting between the hawk and the bear and i don't know if you know this does that always start on one and go to the other or is it random which one it starts on do you know yeah so i did confirm this it does always alternate every turn so it's not like it can go hawk hawk bear hawk hawk bear like does it it always start hawk and then do you know that like or does it i'm assuming it starts randomly i think it starts randomly but then it's alternating every other turn so you you do know what it's going to be the following turn but you don't know how it's going to start so I guess that like doesn't make that combo always work because if it's like, oh, well, my turn four when I need it, it's not going to be there. Right? Yeah. So it, it, because yeah. I, there's a card in Hearthstone that kind of, it's not the same, but there's a card in Hearthstone that was, I can't remember the name of it, but it was this weird little card that would rotate to a random card in your hand every turn. And so I thought Snowguard would be like that, where it's like, oh, it's just random every turn, whether it's a hawk, a bear, or originally a, there was a wolf in the rotation, but it's just, it's just predictable but it's random how it starts. Which is, which again, it sounds like it's a double-edged sword. You you know what it's going to be, but you may not have the one you want when you want it. Yeah, which is another detriment to the card and its utility. Yeah, I, I think so, it'd be cool if you could pick, you know, yeah, maybe like, oh, Somehow I want to like, be a click, click and be like, I want to use this ability, transform into this. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. I think that would give it, that would, that would lift it up like one notch on my ladder, but yeah. Uh, it's still low, right? That brings it more towards the <laughs> middle. Um, I, I think it's interesting, right? This ability, like you say, like, okay, it's very interesting to shut down all locations for a turn, but it benefits your opponent basically as much as it does you, right? So if you're like, I can sneak a card in the Sync of Centaurum, so can your opponent, 
right? Right. Um, yeah. Again, maybe it does benefit you more because you place the higher power card there, and then all of a sudden it's locked out again. And yeah, like a Maximus or, or or a Lizard maybe on turn. Yeah, two. if you're if you're playing a good stats deck, like a good cards deck, mm-hmm. Lizard Maximus, right? Uh, and you're just trying to get or a Titania stuck in there, something like that, right? Um, I don't know, maybe, right? Like, yeah, I think I think the 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 thing everyone has to ask when a new card comes out is, is it worth six thousand tokens, and what's the opportunity cost if I spend those tokens? And I'm pretty confident in saying this is not worth six thousand tokens for anybody. Yeah. There's content creators who will buy it and and do streams and stuff and watch them mess around with it, but like I said, I I wouldn't recommend this to anybody over any of the big bads, Kitty Pride, you know, even buying two series four cards like this, there's just way better value out there. Yeah. I, I would hundred percent agree with you there. I think if you've got 6,000 tokens, you want to know what to buy at this point, wait for Kitty Pride, right. Or one yeah. of the cards that's going to release farther down the road or this month. I mean, Jeff, the land shark, right. I think Jeff, it would be a much better pickup than snow guard. We'll talk for about sure. Jeff, uh, obviously when he releases, but, um, Jeff kind of, we're talking snow guard. We're trying to stretch it, like make it work. It's like, Oh, it opens up locations. Well, guess what? Jeff does that. And there's no conditions, right? Yeah, it, exactly. It just works. So snow guard is a uh, interesting card. I wouldn't pick it up. I'm going to wait till this drops to series three and I just unlock it. But mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're listening out there and you've unlocked it already, we'd love to obviously hear, you know, the crazy things you're experiencing as more and more people are kind of trying out this card as time goes on. Um, we'll continue on here to our next topic, which is, oh, like a little foreshadowing there to what the next, next topic is going to be. Uh, but we will talk location. Um, it's interesting for a long time on the podcast, we were talking every week about new locations because we had a new location every week. Now we're kind of in an, it seems like an every other week pattern. Uh, not sure if that's going to always continue, but they've kind of said like, Hey, we're, we're testing this out, seeing how this works better. But this week we will have a new location, which is pet mansion. So Pet Mansion reads, this turn, all cards must be played here. Again, I'm going to turn it over to you. Listeners want to hear the guest thoughts. Uh, what are your general impressions, thoughts with this location? Um, so this is an interesting one because most of the time, unless you have uh, you know, a Scarlet Witch or a Reality Stone, this is going to be on turns one, two, or three. Yep. So I, I think this one won't have quite as much of an impact. You know, most of the time, if you have a lizard and this comes up turn two, you just play the lizard there. You know, it's not going to be like if it was showing up on turn five or six, then it's like, wow, that's actually interesting. Um, that's going to change the game quite a bit. But for me, I don't think this really alters it that much. I mean, maybe you play like a sunspot on the left and then the second turn, this flips in the middle and then you drop your lizard there. Your opponent drops, you know, daredevil or whatever. I don't, I don't think it really messes too much because most cards you're playing early aren't necessarily winning you the game. Um, so in my opinion, I think it's one of those locations that you can pretty easily play around. I don't think you're going to have anyone complaining like they did with Krakoa when that came out and uh, they're trying to re- reach infinite. And that significantly changes your ability to win games with the uh, the location effect. This one's pretty tame and it's like, yeah, I'll just play my two, my two cost card there. And, you know, I'll just, I'll forget that this showed up. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Krakoa, I mean, I was in the, the high 90s when that, yeah, when that was a future <laughs> location. I, and I was just like, I was like trying to make it work. And I did a little bit, but I was just like, no, I need to just shut the game off and wait until, you know, wait 12 more hours or whatever until this is gone. Because uh, it's not, it's not worth it. It's not worth the risk. Um, 
yeah, this definitely doesn't feel like that. Uh, this is going to be crazy throw off the meta for 24 hours, right? Um, which we have seen. I mean, we see that with locations. And mm -hmm. that was kind of the debate. I saw people putting comments to the developers in the Discord, the official Discord, when Krakoa came out, kind of like, why? You know, like, why this again? Don't you understand that this just kind of throws off, you know, what's going on with this, right? Um, and I think that's, I, I, I think about it from a couple of different perspectives. One is like, yes, the main mode of the game right now is ladder play, right? Climbing the mm -hmm. ladder. Obviously we have, you know, you can do a multiplayer invite mode now, and we're going to have other modes uh, in the future. June, we're getting a new mode. And so they kind of have to think about this, these contexts of these locations as a, you know, for competitive play, but also for casual play, uh, where kind of the randomness, you know, it just kind of adds to the experience. And so they want to explore different areas of the design space. Um, and obviously, I think the, the countermeasure has been, okay, we'll reduce these from 48 hours of feature to 24 hours, right? Which is so great. If, yeah, yeah, even if they're not that crazy. Mm -hmm. But um, let's talk a little bit of, I mean, you've already talked about it a little bit, but like any synergies we may see here. Um, you know, one that I see is um, Green Goblin and, and the sense there that like, obviously Green Goblin's going to go, but if you know your opponent's playing there, they have to play there you have a potential to like clog up that location more, right? You're not putting Green Goblin into an open space where they haven't put anything yet. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously they could still not play that turn, but uh, if they've already played there before the location flips and then they're playing another card there, then all of a sudden maybe you're getting Green Goblin in as the third or fourth card of that location, right? Um, right. I think. Yeah, I think there's ahead. kind of two things that I think are key with this. One is if you have priority and this pops up on turn three, so the third location and you have Cosmo, that could potentially be a really strong play because your opponent's going to play something there. Most cards in the game are on reveal cards and there's a lot of strong three drops. So if they play a storm, if they play a, you know, a juggernaut or something, then you have priority, then you're shutting down whatever they're playing, you know, a Polaris um, or even a green goblin, have, right? Yeah. yeah, or a Green Goblin, to your point. So, you know, that running Cosmo during this 24 hours might be a solid tech option. Cosmo's just a good card anyway. Um, and then the other thing is, if you're playing Galactus or against Galactus, and there's Galactus decks, you want to keep usually two lanes open, so you have two yeah. options to drop Galactus. If you've set up one lane as you're like, I'm filling this up, and then this pops up and you have to play a card there, maybe you've got your wave, it's turn three, you want to play wave there, but it's it's limiting your locations down to one that you can play at. And hopefully that's a location you can actually play Galactus. But if it's not, that might be an instant retreat for you if uh, if Pet Mansion forces you to sort of limit your options with playing Galactus. So just kind of two interactions I had thought of with this specific location and maybe some play around with it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great call. I think I think this is obviously going to be the least impactful if it's the first location that flips over. Oh, for right? sure. It's like more often than not, you want to play your first card on the first revealed location because if you can, because it's the most safe, you're not going to end mm -hmm. up in a bad spot with another location uh, like Jotunheim where it's going to start. Space like, Throne. Like, yeah, Space Throne. Exactly, right? The, the, the risk is lower. Um, one other call I wanted to make are things like Rocket Raccoon, Star-Lord, right? Yeah. Those are kind of some obvious synergies. Mm -hmm. Those cards are not the worst. They're not the best. They're kind of in the middle, kind of this guessing mechanic if you play at the right location, they get the extra power. Well, you know, if you throw both those in a deck, 
for the 24 hours it's featured, maybe they're going to be a little bit better, right? Because if it flips over one or two or even three, uh, you know, three, you could play both of them down, right? Um, right. And, and get kind of a lot of power at that location really easily. So, again, I don't think that's like a full build around strategy, right? It's not like, that's not yeah, a win. It's more con. tech. Yeah, it's like a tech option. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know if there's too much more to say here. I mean, when we were talking Krakow a couple of weeks ago, it was like, oh man, we need a hat. <laughs> like, what does this mean and why and what and who, you know? But this one is pretty straightforward. I think it's going to be a lot of the same. Maybe, like you say, maybe you throw in a Cosmo here, you throw in a Star Lord there. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the most part, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty straightforward. Well, and this is a location I would like to see the last week of the season. Like if you're going to release a new location, do something like this where, you know, or the Camp Lehigh one where it was like, oh, add a random three cost card to your hand. Like, I think there's a certain situa situational awareness that there needs to be with location releases. If you're going to release a Krakoa, do it in the middle of the season. You know, that way it's, you know, it doesn't feel as bad when people are grinding it out at the end of the season. And so locations like this that sort of slightly change the way the game works but not to the extent where it's like, oh, my deck, you know, my my ability to win has just completely been hampered by a bad Krakoa play. Um, I mean, Ego pops up so infrequently that when it pops up, you just say, you know, lulls, we'll just roll with it. You know, I can retreat. Your opponent's probably not snapping either. But with uh, something like Krakoa, it's like, I mean, unless you can change the location, you just hope that it doesn't mess up your turn as bad as it messes up your opponent's turn. Um, yeah. So I like I like stuff like Pet Mansion towards the end of the season where it's like, Oh yeah, you know, I can still climb competitively, especially since it's 24 hours of the last week. And uh, yeah, that, that, like you said, you just shut off the game. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I know a lot of people did. They're like, oh, I can't play with this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we've ever had as crazy as like um, lamentous one was a crazy one. And uh, what's the one um, that inverts all your cards. It's Mr. Oh, the peak, the peak. Yeah. Oh man, and that was just after they lowered uh, Mister Negative to like a four negative one or whatever, or a four one or whatever it was, and so it was like made him better at that location, like the week of that patch. And oh, you can totally bluff snap on those locations. Krakoa, you can't because you're like I could get messed up as as badly as you can. But yeah, Lamentus was an interesting one for sure. I... Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say with Krakoa, I, you could maybe bluff snap on turn five after you've seen what you you know what how your cards were played. True. Even if they weren't that great, people would say, oh, no, mine was bad, and theirs is supposedly <laughs> good. But then you're only getting one cube. I mean, that's not that's not the best way to climb. So Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Well, we will jump into our next topic after a quick break, uh, ad break from our sponsor. Hey, all. I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and decklists for all level of players and all collection level of players. Make sure to go to MarvelSnapZone.com and check it out now. Okay, if you Eagle Eyes viewers were watching, I may have double clicked that at the beginning so you saw our faces for a second. But uh, 
we are back and we will continue on here with our topics. Uh, we've got some juicy stuff here to talk at the end. We always save kind of the big uh, share our thoughts, dreams here at the end, uh, kind of the second half of the podcast episodes. Uh, and so today we are talking, our, our two last topics are we had a over the air patch this last week, which was kind of crazy. Uh, you know, they've kind of said they were going to do it for a long time and it's kind of like finally happened. Uh, kind of in the no notice, it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Classic just, Marvel snap. Just <laughs> uh, as listeners normally know, you know, for a normally for a patch, we always have Loot Muncher here on the podcast. And uh, he messaged me, I'm at work. He's like, yo, patch drop. I'm like, what? You know, like, uh, like that was not on my mind today. Um, so we'll be talking about the kind of the patch, the changes made, but then we will also be talking about the new patching strategy for Marvel Snap from Second Dinner going forward, at least uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, so we'll dive in here. So we've got some changes. If you're watching this on YouTube or Spotify, you can see the changes, but I'll walk through them for our listeners. We had Sunspot go from a 1-1 to a 1-0, retaining the same ability. We had Shadow King go from a four-cost, three-power card to a three-cost, three-power card, retaining the same ability. We had Red Skull go from a 5-13 to a 5-12, retaining the same ability. And we had Sentry go from a 4-8 to a 4-10, uh, still creating a Void card at the right location, but instead of it being a negative eight power Void, it's a negative 10 power Void to match Sentry's stat line. Um so obviously, I'm sure, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably already know this has happened. So we're here not to just tell you what happened, but to tell you our thoughts and break it down. So I'm going to turn over to you. What are your general impressions of these buff slash nerfs that we got in this small patch? Yeah, so my, the first big takeaway is obviously Shuri. I think Shuri decks are in a lot better spot to be beaten. Um, if you saw the latest Marvel Snap Zone uh, tier, meta tier list, uh, Shuri is still a tier one deck, but it's uh, I don't think it was ranked in S tier this week, um, which is what we want to see, right? I think Shuri's, I don't want to see Shuri decks completely get nerfed into the ground, but they should be in a spot where you can compete um, with it and it's not just a guaranteed win, which it has been over the last couple months. So I think for most people, Red Skull dropping, whether you play Shuri decks or you play against them a lot, which is everybody listening, um, you're you probably have some feelings about that one way or the other but sure he's still great you know it's still a tier one deck but it's just that little tweak in power makes it a lot easier to to compete in that lane um since you're effectively getting if the lane's full an 18 power red skull um since it's giving you one power to each other card at that lane so um it would go up to tw or sorry 20 power because it would go to uh, 24 power with a shuri and then minus giving you four power in the lane if it's full so 20 power is a little bit easier to beat than uh, 24 um, or even more. So um, the big one I think most people got hurt by is Sunspot. Um, Sunspot dropping to a 1-0, being a, a early series card that most players get early on in the game. Um, not being able to go into turn two with priority with Sunspot, I think that really hurts him as a card. And especially with Kitty Pride coming back soon, her being probably now, I would say the premier one drop choice yeah. and for all these free to play players and people who are just starting the game, taking sunspot away from them in that spot and making it this new series five, 6,000 collector token card uh, can, can feel pretty bad in my opinion. Um, so I, I think sunspot hurts the most for just the game in general. Um, and it, it kind of reminds me of some other cards that have 
um, like Angela. Angela's one, two, that was a two, one. You go into priority. You don't have priority anymore, and it kind of dropped off the map unless you're playing bounce. So I think those, I think Sunspot got kind of the Angela treatment. And I, I, I hope that, maybe a little spoiler, but I hope with these new changes that maybe we see some tweaks to these cards they've, they've tweaked before maybe bring Angela back up to a two one and see how she does stuff like that. Cause I think, I think she's a really good card and one that people have a lot. So um, I have a lot of thoughts on Sentry and shadow King, but I'll turn it back over to you. No, I, I know you do, you know, we've been talking before and so we'll mm-hmm. make sure we get over there. Yeah. I think something to call out on the red skull for those who maybe don't follow, you know, very closely the discord conversations from the developers or people that are sharing those conversations on Twitter, stuff like that. Um, the developers realize that like Red Skull is not the the one key problem to like Shuri decks being overpowered, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Shuri is the problem, right? It's just a very powerful ability. Uh, it's just like so much stronger than so many other things that you can do, right? Um, and they've said basically like we have changes to Shuri locked in. It's just not something that we can patch as part of an OTA update. They're calling that over the air or these kind of quick small patches. Um, so we can anticipate, I think it's something like April 18th. I don't know if that sounds right to you or. Yeah. It's a okay. week from today. I believe or it's yeah. a, it's a week from Thursday cause they, or no, it's Tuesday. Yeah. It's a week from yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. A week from time of recording. So April 18th, they've got a bigger patch coming kind of our monthly patch mm-hmm. and we should expect changes to Shuri there. So I think that kind of helped qualm some concerns because people, you know, they see these changes to stat line. They're like, are you kidding me? It's not solving the problem. Right. Um, you know, maybe it makes it like you say a little bit, just kind of brings it down just a little bit, but the developers realize there's more to be done. So I think that's good to call out. Um, go ahead. I was going to say that I think the biggest problem with the Shuri situation, let's call it, is that, and I've seen Glenn Jones talk about this too, um, is that people bought Shuri for 6,000 or 3,000 collector's tokens. And, um, I mean, with Thanos decks, they weren't necessarily nerfing Thanos too much because that there was out outcry for that as well. Um, but I think they've been a little more hesitant to do that because people have invested tokens in these cards. Um, and so to just nerf it, I mean, obviously they did it with Zabu and Surfer, which was actual money. Um, but let's be honest, Zabu and Surfer were season pass cards. They were much cheaper than a Series 5 or a Series 4 card. Um and so I think that's kind of where they're they're being delicate with all these people just bought Shuri with 3,000 collector's tokens or 5,000 collect- or 6,000 collector's tokens because it was the best card in the game. And if we just take that away from you and nerf it into the ground or tweak it too much to where the deck isn't as great anymore, then there's, I mean, people are going to feel really bad about that as they should. Yeah. So I think, I think it's tricky. They, you know, with the whole collection system, if you come out with a new card, and it's just broken um, or just dominant, and then you want to take it down a notch, it's like, well, how do you really... They, they don't do refunds, so how do you really make sure that it gets that balance between time owned and played and dominance versus like uh, it's tweaked now and feels more fair and balanced? I, I think that's the real dilemma that's kind of kept them back from making these changes sooner and more quickly. A lot of great points that you just said there. I think that's always a really tricky thing, especially when people are spending money. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe an ideal middle ground is that there is some kind of compensation. Again, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying there will be, 
but mm -hmm. maybe even if it's not the full cost, because obviously you still have the card and their goal with nerfing cards isn't to nerf them to the ground. It's just to bring them to an even playing field. Maybe it's you get a thousand collector's tokens. Maybe it's you get half of the cost of whatever you pay, right? I don't know. I'm making stuff up, right? But I think that would maybe address the concerns you just brought forward. Uh, at least in my mind, everybody may not agree with me. They say, no, I want a full refund or nothing. Uh, you're never going to make everyone happy, right? No. No, I mean, the goal of the game, I mean, the point of everything is for second dinner to, you know, make money so they can, you know, feed their families and continue to make more of the game that we all enjoy. But um, I mean, I don't know what the solution to that is, because with the current collection system, new card comes out. It's very exclusive. A lot of I mean, we saw this with Kitty. A couple people bought it, myself included, day one, played it for a little bit and then it got shut down. So, you know, how do you compensate that? And, you know, in other card games, like a set will come out. You can buy packs and open them or buy cards. Uh, so that one is a little bit more direct of a, you know, compensation. But in this case, it's like, it's collector's tokens. It's hard to put a price on collector's tokens because a free-to-play player played the game for six months and earned these tokens. A whale bought these tokens. So you, you can't really compensate those two players evenly, right? If I dropped $100 on uh, bundles and got enough collector's tokens for Shuri... That's not the same as someone who's been grinding for three months, saving up their collector's tokens. They bought Shuri. This is the best day ever. They can now play Red Skull Shuri decks and get to infinite. Um, so it's just there's there's too many mouths to feed when it comes to like compensating it, I think, evenly. So to your point, you can't make everyone happy. But I, I think, you know, it's definitely worth considering with the way the card acquisition is set up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a very important conversation that we continue having. Right. Just yeah what's the best way and we don't know the answer we just share our thoughts here but we'll continue on here uh one thing i want to call out before we break down shadow king and Sentry a little bit more is what we learned from further uh messages that were given after this patch came live is that uh, with these ota updates these over the air updates which are small changes they can change stat lines and costs so they can uh change power uh, you know the power of a card up or down they can change the cost of a card up or down does not sound like they currently have the ability to change text boxes with uh, these over the update patches, but they will be able to do that with a normal, you know, our monthly large patches. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's an interesting thing to note here. And we'll get into a little bit more of that with kind of their future patching strategy. Uh, but that's what you see with all these cards. All of them is either a cost change or a power level change. Mm -hmm. So I think that's interesting to note, but I want to turn it back over to you. I know you've been, you've been playing a lot of century. I hear. Uh, oh yeah, I've maybe seen some clips of that on the social media. Hey. So, what are your thoughts on the changes to Sentry, but also Shadow King? So, I I guess I kind of like shed one tear of sadness and one tear of happiness for Sentry. Um, Sentry is like one of my two favorite cards to play. I've been playing him for a couple months now, like a month and a half maybe. Um, I, I like playing these under. I call them the Island of Misfit cards, like these cards, like Super Scroll and Sentry and Shadow King, and I think Snow Guard's going to be in this boat. Just these cards that everyone was like, they're the worst cards ever. Don't buy them with collectors' tokens. And I think that created a narrative that they were just bad cards. And so yeah. I was like, you know, let's make it fun. Like, let's go try to make these cards work. And I actually really enjoyed playing Sentry pre and post patch. Um, I think. Now, so my biggest downside to him now is that I was playing him with no worries about Shang-Chi because he was a 4-8, which is just right in that perfect spot to where it's like, this is great power value, but 
I can't be getting hit with Shang-Chi, so I can just play him and leave him in that lane. Um, he's not as powerful as a 410, but you know, I don't have to worry about that. And so I was playing a lot of decks where it was, you know, sort of Sarah Zabu decks. I was getting him down to a two cost um, on turn six, and then I would Viper him or I'd Valkyrie him, or I could beast him, or I could just fill up the right lane and have the void not spawn. So I, I've always been a believer that he's a very like he does have a big downside, but I think that's super fun and interesting because he's so unique in this game. He basically puts like a giant, he put, well, before the patch, he put a giant hobgoblin on your right lane <laughs> and yeah. it's like, okay, how do I get rid of that? Um, and I loved trying to figure out that puzzle. So being a 410 now, he's in the same category as like Typhoid Mary, Atuma. I kind of throw Namor in there because he, he's a 411, but it's kind of the same concept of it. it's this four cost card with a massive upside and a big Achilles heel. And how do you mitigate that? I think Sentry, honestly, is the best of those cards. I think his ability mm -hmm. is the easiest to mitigate. And it's the most interesting, in my opinion. Um, the other nice thing about him, too, uh, because I, I think Atuma is probably second for me. But Atuma can be pulled out by, like, a Magneto. So if Magneto pulls your Atuma away from your armor or something like that, then it, it just blows up. So... But you can play Sentry on a Cosmo. You can fill up the right lane and then play him. You can Professor X the right lane and play him. I've been playing him in bounce deck, so I just beast him. And I've even played Bast and made him a plus the Void a plus three and just played that back onto the field. Um, or you can just take the Void and play it with uh, Viper somewhere else where they're not expecting. So, I mean, there's just a lot of ways to mess around with it. And I think it's super fascinating. Um, and I just throw him in every deck, honestly. So... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I do think it's good for him as a card being a 410. That feels right to make him viable. But I do miss that Shang-Chi, uh, you know, protection. So it's it, yeah. it's I've been getting used to it. I've been enjoying it. Well, good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I Sentry is like one of like the two series four cards I don't currently have. Um, oh, OK. I, I just didn't buy it when, you know, when it was series five. And I'm just kind of I'm just waiting to unlock it. So it's theoretically in like one of my next opens in a reserve. Right. So you're close. Uh, yeah. I'm very close. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it's uh century and Shauna are the two I don't have okay. right now in series four. So just waiting, right. Is I'm like, is it going to drop to series three first or am I going to open it in a reserve? Probably a reserve, but who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, excited for that. And um, we've only got, you know, about seven or eight minutes left here, but um, want to hear your thoughts on shadow King before we, before we jump to our next topic. Yeah, so I, I was also playing Shadow King. Actually, I was playing a game with Shadow King and Sentry when the patch dropped, and I played Sentry, and someone Shang-Chi'd me, and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> like, what? I'm missing something. <laughs> I totally was. I was like, did, did I buff that? Or was there a location that hit that? Um, and then, I mean, I was playing it in a Zabu Sarah deck, so my Shadow Kings were always getting down to two power on turn six. So it didn't affect me too much, but I do think... I mean, I've, I've heard it thrown out there. He works great in surfer decks. Um, one thing that I've been super fascinated with this week is testing Shadow King, Valkyrie, and Bast with Luke Cage. Because mm. if you play Shadow King while Luke Cage is out, it will reduce all of your opponent's cards back to their base power, but not yours because of Luke Cage. Same thing with Valkyrie and same thing with Bast. If you play Bast and it hits your Sentry, for example, and makes it a 4-3, you can play Luke Cage and then later you play your Sentry and it pops back up to a 10. Um, so I've been really intrigued by that interaction and that's kind of guided a lot of my content lately, but I think shadow King just at the end of the day, it still doesn't beat out, um, 
Valkyrie. It doesn't beat out Shang-Chi as these great like power equalizing cards. Yeah. It's it's still too much of a cost for what it does when there's stronger cards that just synergize better and are more efficient, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting card. Um I opened it in a reserve like right after it came out. And, you know, which is like great luck. I've opened like three or four series five cards. in No way. I've had, yeah, I've had ultimate luck. I've not opened one. And I know people that have spent, you know, thousands of dollars on the game and haven't opened one. So it's like, yeah, I have all the luck in the world, but it was like, does it have to be Shadow King, right? Like, couldn't have been somebody else, you know? Um, But no, I'm I'm more willing to try it out with this stat line uh, for sure. So excited. Obviously, for me, the most exciting thing is the fact that they can do changes more often yeah in this way and yes some of them are going to be nerfs but i'm all about the buffs i mean let's always let's buff up the cards that are being played the least to uh just make new decks right new ways to succeed new ways to climb new ways to play so kind of transitioning into our next topic is this idea of how is second dinner going to balance in the future so i want to read a quick statement and then we'll we'll share our thoughts over the last couple of minutes here Speaking of changes we're interested in trying out, we have an exciting announcement about the future of card balances for Marvel Snap. Starting with our upcoming April patch, currently scheduled for 418, we'll be making weekly changes to cards in the game. Our patch every four weeks will continue to release on Tuesdays and include card updates as well, meaning text box changes. But the, uh, well, I guess that means stat line as well. But the Mm -hmm. intervening weeks will each feature changes going live on Thursdays via OTA. We know this is just the sort of balance, attention, and prioritization that many of you have clamored for. So thanks for your passionate feedback. It's been a multi-team effort to get this process buttoned up over the last month, and we all hope you are as excited as we are. So I mean, it was just exciting to like have a little patch and like be like, oh, cards change, this is cool. But like reading this, to me, that was, you know, my mind exploded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's just so exciting to me. I mean obviously a podcast where I'm talking about the game weekly. It's like, Oh, well now I have another thing. Content. To talk about Let's go. <laughs> yeah. This is exciting. But um, for me, it's just so much more exciting for the fact that we can have that little adjustment to the meta every week. We don't have to wait for an entire month. If a meta gets stale, if something gets a little out of whack, that we have to wait a month for it to change. We can say, Hey, it's very clear. Everybody's struggling with this problem. And we know second dinner has the ability. We could very likely see this fixed next week right Mm -hmm. um so i'm very excited about it i want to hear your thoughts on this announcement yeah of course um one thing too and i think you mentioned this but they will be trying this sort of through may for a testing period so this is not like a permanent this is going to be how it is forever at least not yet right it's not so do it for about six weeks probably yeah yeah at least get a feel hopefully yeah i mean i i I think it's going to do well and it's going to stay um and i think of the last patch that we had where there was actually a changes like they're going to be doing and i think it was two months ago and it was dagger namor and spider woman all got a one power boost and that was it no no ability changes no cost changes and while none of those cards really like dominated the meta it was just exciting right it's like oh there's there's these three underplayed cards they're not the worst cards in the game but you know they definitely need a little love and so i think that's gonna just be great and that's what I think this last patch was so disappointing. People were like, can we get some buffs, man? Like, you know, can we, can you buff like any card, just one power? Like, is that too much to ask? 
um, because we want some of these cards to be played, right? And I mean, this has been talked about before, but just all the main Marvel characters from the movies that people love, most of them are pretty unplayable right now. I mean, Iron Man, you can play, and I see Thor here and there, but no one's playing Captain America. No one's playing Hulk. No one's playing Hawkeye. Most people aren't playing Black Widow. You know, these these iconic characters. And so I'd love to see those cards, pool one and two cards, get some like buffs, a little love, bring them back into viability. Um, and I think this is going to be great. Like you said, it's it's it, every week you're going to look forward to, oh man, maybe a couple cards that I've been playing or wanting to try are going to get buffed. Even if it's just one power, it just it yeah. just feels like they're paying attention to those those uh, cards that need some love. Yeah, very exciting. One thing I do want to add, this is again one of those messages we saw either on Twitter or Discord, something like that with the developers. And I think it was Glenn maybe that said it, maybe it was somebody else, but uh, they're going to be targeting two to four cards per patch with this mm-hmm. over the air. So I think that's something to note. Don't expect this to be like 10 cards changing every week. Uh, which yeah. I think is a good thing. I think it's a good thing. You don't want to turn too many knobs at once. We, we we use that analogy. We've used that a million times on the podcast. If you change too many cards at once, then you really can't expect what the outcome will be and you can't know what, what caused the problem. I work in software in my daily job. If we push too much code all at, at once without having tested it or like having like got it into production, released to customers, it's like if something breaks, then we have to go look through 20 things to figure out what broke it, right? uh nice if we can push out things one at a time and kind of see the impact of that yeah and i i think there's sort of a twofold purpose for this one is stuff like the shuri red skull right where it's like we can drop red skull one power we tried the 13 it didn't work we're going to go down to 12 you know we we can address some of the issues but also they can do stuff you know like i mentioned with dagger namor and uh, you know spider woman where it's like there's these underplayed cards they're underperforming in their slots you know they have a watch list for cards that are potentially too powerful and cards that are very rarely played uh, century and shadow King were, were those two in this last one where they can sort of give these cards some love. And the goal isn't to make, you know, spider woman, the best card in the game. The goal is to like, make you consider playing her in the five slot. Yep. Um, and so I think that's sort of the twofold goal is to, you know, fix issues, hopefully rarely and more often buff these little cards, like, you know, Hawkeye or Uatu, these kind of cards that people have talked about, like, buff these cards they suck like you know give them an extra power and see how it does and if it's too much you just tune it back but you know what can it hurt just throw an extra power on a couple underplayed cards and see if they become more viable mix it up yeah so very exciting overall uh we're gonna have to see how it goes i mean we're gonna start seeing this very soon so we will obviously be covering it here on the podcast um but we are just out of time uh so i just want to thank you again for being on really appreciate you being here talking about all these topics but before we go, I always want to make sure you have a chance to kind of give us a shout out. Where can you be found? Where are you putting out content? What are your ads so that people can go subscribe, follow, et cetera, to you and support your content? No, I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm mainly on TikTok at the Mar- or at Marble Snap Show. Um, so you can find me on there. I'm on Twitter as well. I've got a link tree in my my TikTok bio to all my other stuff, but mainly I'm doing TikTok content and I'm I'm posting more to Twitter lately. So yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's just mainly TikTok at the moment, but I'll probably do it be doing Twitch and, and more stuff like that in the near future. Just had a baby like last week, so trying to get through that uh, that time period and then and then I'll start getting back into ramping up the content. So I just stick to TikTok for now. Yeah, I don't know if this happens to you, but I feel like when I've had kids that like all of a sudden I want to do more things and I find I yeah. have less time. So <laughs> it's because you have uh, less time doing 
the more things. Yes. So you want to do the more things more. <laughs> yes. So I totally, totally understand that. Well, thank you again for being on. Uh, listeners, as always, we want to thank you for listening. We appreciate your support for the show. We ask a favor, though, if you are watching this on YouTube, we ask that you like the video, leave a comment. And if you're not yet subscribed, make sure you're subscribed to the Marvel Snap Zone YouTube channel. And if you are listening to this on a podcasting platform, we ask that you leave a review of the podcast because that does help us reach more people as they're searching for podcasts and getting podcasts recommended to them. So we really appreciate you doing that. With all of that being said, we will catch you in the next episode. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening. Thank you.